sing 296 now. 296.
thank you so much that we have this place where we can come and we can uh, worship you together, Lord, in song and, and uh, study around your word. Father, we pray that you would just uh, be in each and everything that's said and done here tonight, Lord. Pray that you'd be with our pastor, Lord, as he brings the message he's giving us. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we uh, have so many that are out sick, Lord, and those that are traveling, pray that you'd be with each and every one of them, Lord. Yes, Lord. Be with them traveling mercies, be with those that are sick to bring them back. And Father, we just uh, pray that you just, uh, as we even near this holiday season and this time of, of Christmas, Lord, we pray that you'd give us opportunities to share yes, the gospel Lord. with those that we may be coming into contact with. We thank you again just for, for your love and mercy to us. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, I don't have any other announcements other than the ones that we had this morning. Um, uh, stay close to your uh, One Accord account and your text messaging in case we have to send out some changes. Uh, I don't know anything that's going to change other than maybe the activity on a Saturday, depending on how the McGee's are doing health-wise. And so please do uh, do that. Do be in prayer for us. Be in prayer for the services Wednesday. Brother Jimmy's going to be preaching, and then uh, and then uh, Reese is going to be leading singing. So please do be in prayer for them. And uh, y'all glad to be here tonight? I'm glad you're here, too. <laughs> You know, if it gets too low, we'll just have to do like we did for COVID. You know, I'll just have to set three of you here, and then the camera will look like the audience is full because I'm still looking around. You know, but anyhow, boy, I don't miss those days. How about you? You know, that might be something we could pray about. I don't know if you're watching the news, but they're worried about the next one. Isn't it amazing how they come every four years? Just a thought. Anyhow, sad but true. <laughs> Sad but true. We're going to receive our evening offering at this time. If our men will come to receive that. <clears throat> and Jim, why don't you ask the blessing on the offering, please? Heavenly Father, just so thankful we can meet here to sing the songs of praise and to prepare our hearts to hear the message that we're about to hear. Mm -hmm. Do pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be very active and moving and that you would uh, move in our hearts to, to allow us to, to hear what we need to hear. Do pray for this offering, pray that you bless the gift and giver. And I ask you to pray. Amen. Again in the blue, 294. Blessed Jesus. 
Man, I love that song. It's a good one. All right, I want you to turn with me tonight to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to begin in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 12. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, or by word, nor by letter as uh, from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises here tonight. We thank you for the health that we enjoy so that we can assemble together. And Father, just pray that you would uh, help us to learn and to grow. And, Father, help us to be sources of comfort in a world that is, uh, no doubt, uh, just overcome with the cares of this world at this time. Father, help us to focus on that which is truly important. Be with those who are apart from us. Give health to those who need health, Lord. Restore them fully, Lord, soon. We just ask. And, Father, pray for those who are traveling. Keep them safe and return them safe to us. Father, we love you and we thank you now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. First and Second Thessalonians were uh, the first writings of the Apostle Paul. They're the oldest of his writings. And he's writing to a young church, uh, a, a church of young believers whose minds have become troubled because somebody told them that uh, the Antichrist was there. They knew some things about it. For one thing, they uh, knew they probably hoped or knew that they weren't supposed to be there, okay? And there's somebody had told them that the Antichrist was there. And we live in a day when even Jesus gave warning. He says, be careful that people don't deceive you. They're going to say, here is Christ, and lo, lo there is Christ, amen? Uh, he gave that warning in a couple places and then also in the Gospels. Excuse me, not the Gospels, but the Epistles. <clears throat> and so, if you will, we see that he's writing this letter, and I I remember when I first got saved, I, I, I think I've told a, a number of you, I didn't come from a, a church background, and so a lot of the stuff that we were learning was new. By the way, uh, any of you who weren't raised in church, how many of you all knew things about the Bible but didn't really know the Bible, you know? And, and even today, people are guilty of that. You know, well, that's in the Bible, and you go, no, nah, you know, you look for it, and it's not really there. 
And, uh, and I remember uh, when I first got saved, there's a couple things that really troubled me is uh, immediately after getting saved, I had a Pentecostal preacher try to convince me I could lose my salvation. And uh, boy, I was troubled. I mean, I was troubled. And I went and I found my pastor and, and I said, listen, this guy's trying to have me do a Bible study to show I can lose my salvation. He goes, brother, let's sit down. And he set me down, showed me the word of God. And he says, you can't lose your salvation. Praise God. Amen. And uh, it's a gift to God. Aren't you glad? I didn't do anything to earn it. I just received it as a gift. And so I praise the Lord for that. But I also remember uh, the big amusement park where we come from was called Elitch Gardens. Today it's a Six Flags like everything else. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I remember that, uh, uh, that that was when they first uh, put in those uh, ultraviolet scanners. You know what I'm talking about? They'll stamp your hand. And every time you went to go for a ride, you didn't have to show a ticket or a pass or anything. You just had to put your hand underneath the scanner. Well, they were wanting to stamp my right hand, and I was like, I've heard about that. <laughs> and I didn't want my right hand stamped, and I didn't want them stamped on my forehead either, okay? And, uh, and uh, they, I said, well, you're not stamping my right hand. They said, well, you're not getting in. I said, you're not getting my 50 bucks. <laughs> and the guy relented at that point. <laughs> okay. And I, I told him, I said, you're not stamping my right hand. I said, you can stamp my left hand, but you will not stamp my right hand. And so I told my pastor about that, and the pastor said, Brother Mark, let me explain something to you. That is only going to take place during the tribulation. We're going to be gone. Praise God. Amen. And, uh, and so, if you will, you can understand how that young believers have misunderstandings about the Bible, and they can be easily clarified by just going through the scriptures and teaching on them. And uh, having said that, though, sometimes even, uh, I was talking with Brother Ron about this uh, a little bit before services, Sometimes people will, with good intentions, rest the scriptures to teach something that is true, but it's not necessarily true for that verse. Y'all understand? I'll give you one of them is this. Um, uh, go uh, to Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and look at verse, uh, verse 3. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And a lot of preachers say, well, that, that word means falling up. Well, I'll tell you this. I looked it up in a couple dictionaries. It never one time says falling up, okay? Um, and so they say, well, there's your rapture. There's the rapture. The, the, the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the, until the rapture. And by the way, that is true, but not for that verse. In the context here, he's talking about men's minds are going to be transformed from believing what is right and true and there's going to be a falling away. It's the word that we use, the word apostasy, apostasia. That's the Greek word, okay? And so there's going to be an, an apostasy, turning away from the truth or turning away from the faith. And I will, uh, just in that thought here, what is the one doctrine? If you could say there's only one thing that the Jews believe, what's the one thing the Jews believe? I mean, just think about it. If you just boil it all down. And it's boiled down into a thing they call the Shema, Okay. The Shema is, if you will, a confession that, that, that they're encouraged. But the Lord our God is one Lord, or one God, okay? Amen? And so that's given to us. At, well, you guys are being quiet here, so go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6.
uh, it says here, it says in verse 3, it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers promised thee in the land that floweth with the milk and honey. Verse 4 says, O hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love him, love the Lord with all the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That, that verse three, uh, 4 and 5, excuse me, 4 and 5 there is what's called the Shema. And they literally, they repeat that on a regular basis. I don't know all the occasions that they repeat it, but they repeat that on a regular basis. So if there's one thing they're taught to believe is the Lord our God is one God, okay? Meaning this, there's only one God. Okay, well the problem is, is during the tribulation, is the Antichrist, the Bible says he's going to sit on a throne, Right? A place where only God is supposed to sit. Folks, a lot of people believe that's the Holy of Holies. Is that, is that not where the mercy seat of God is? That's where he came down to dwell in the tabernacle, where he came to dwell in the temple. And by the way, where they're looking for him to live or to rule physically for the millennium, when the, when the kingdom comes, okay? And so they're expecting to see their God set on their throne, the throne of David. Okay, keep all that in your mind here. It'll be important here in a second. And, and, and that's what they're believing. They believe the Lord our God is one Lord, and, and he's going to fulfill these promises this way. The only problem is, is there's going to be a man come, and he's going to say, no, 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 I'm God. Okay? Now, we've been going through, uh, in Sunday school, the book of Exodus. Amen? Has, has the God of the Bible proved himself in a mighty way to the nation of Israel? And they ought to be able to say, you know, our God can do this, 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 and this, okay? You remember, and they rightfully said this to Jesus. They said, what sign do you show us? See, you got to remember, our God gave us manna in the wilderness. You remember that? We've talked about that here a little bit. And so he says, Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, okay? Woo, boy, that split them off, didn't it? Not, this is a hard saying, and, and many disciples stopped following him after that, and and, and if you will, he turned to the disciples, he says, will you also go away? And you remember their response, they said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. You know what they were doing? They were saying, you are God. You, you, have, you have demonstrated to us, we know who you are. And uh, if you will, you are the God, okay? Well, the Bible says that they're going to send them strong delusion. You see that, verse 11? Go back to our text, I'm sorry. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And look at verse 11. The Bible says this. It says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should, be, uh, that, that they should believe a lie. Okay? Why? Well, because they didn't want to worship the one true God. Okay? Notice this portion of Scripture, if you will, forgive me. But notice, uh, let's work through it a little bit and, and, and see this, if you will. Verse 2 says, don't be shaken or troubled in your mind. You're, you're hearing things and you're seeing things, but don't worry about it. Why? Well, God's in charge. God's in control. Amen. Uh, I was looking uh, through some old notes here, and it was just uh, three or four years ago that there was a rabbi in um, Israel that said the, the Messiah is alive and on earth today, and we're about to announce who he is. Now, that was three or four years ago. I wonder what happened to the announcement. Okay, you all understand? But we're living in a world today where it's getting more and more difficult to even understand what reality is. 
I don't know how many of y'all know this, that we were talking about this again earlier, that uh, some of y'all might have known there was a big strike between the writers and the, and the, and the actors and, and the writers. And, and one of the, th the things that they're contending about is the right that they have to their own image. Why? Because, folks, they don't need actors anymore. They can, they can take and use computers to make all the movies that they want to, and you can't tell the difference. Okay, I mean you could if you if you have a discerning eye, but I'm just telling you if you took a cursory look, you'd, and they're getting ready to go from our electronic computers to what are called quantum computers. Quantum computers, instead of going through a wire having one channel, okay, are actually going to be able to take frequencies of light and communicate meaning, okay? My whole point is this, they're going to go from being able to process this much information to being able to process this much information. And if they can make things that you can't tell if they're real or not with this much information, can you imagine what they can make with that much information? Y'all with me? We're living in a troubling time. We're living in a disturbing time. And when God says God will send them strong delusion, God's not going to send them strong delusion. But what he's going to do is he's going to remove the ones that could pay, be able to identify and say, hey, that's a lie. That's falsehood. Okay. Go, if you will, and look. Um, 2 Thessalonians. And look at verse 7. The Bible says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Okay. Meaning... Even in Paul's day, Satan was setting up the lie. And what was he trying to do? There's another God besides the Lord God of heaven. Okay? And all we got to do is open the Bible and say, uh-uh. Okay? The only problem with that is at some point that's not going to work. Because notice what it says. It says, only he who now letteth will let. Brother Ron did a real good job this morning in his devotional talking about how important it is to define words. Can somebody tell me what letteth now will let means? Okay, and, and to me it sounds like that who is allowing will allow. Is that what it says? It's not what it means. It means that is which is restraining, that's what the word let means. He which is restraining or putting down, that's what it literally means, to restrain or to put down or to keep down, okay? In a sense, you've got uh, a, a, a mess of evil stuff over here. By the way, how evil could this world be if God wasn't in it? Pretty wicked, right? And so, if you will, who's restraining the wickedness of this world? It's, it's God. What's one of the definitions of us as Christians? Remember, he says this. He says, you are salt and light in the world. And I'm going to paraphrase now for sake of time, but he says this, if you're not being a light, then what good is it? And if you're not being salt, what good is it? You all understand that? And so we need to speak up and we need to stand out and we need to have our understanding. And when people follow nonsense, we got to stand up and say, that's nonsense. Why? Because we're salt and light in the world. We are restraining, we're putting down, we're keeping the evil down. The only problem is, folks, I mean, do you... Do, I know a lot of us don't watch the news, but do you watch any news? I, I mean, there's some wicked stuff going on in this world today. And people bound it. This is not right. You've offended me. And by the way, you know what it means to offend somebody in today's definition? It means to simply disagree with them. You've offended me. I appreciate that, but 
What are you getting so angry for? I, I disagree with people I agree with. Right? I disagree with people I agree with. And, and it's getting to where that uh, they're doing all they can to suppress the truth. Okay? And so he says this in verse 7, He that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Well, folks, the Holy Spirit is in the hearts of every human being. The Bible says that he convicts us of, of uh, righteousness and of judgment to come. What's the other thing I forgot? Oh, don't make me turn there. Anyhow, he, he, he convicts us of what is right and the judgment that is to come when we violate what is right. You all understand that? That's in every human being. But what does he do for us? Folks, he gives us the ability to understand all truth. We can understand this book. And so when somebody tells a lie, all you got to do is say, no, the Bible says this. The Bible says this. Okay? And then they have to shut up because you just raised a higher authority to them. Well, there's a lot of ways of interpreting that Bible. Please take this the right way. No, there's only one way to interpret the Bible. You know how? As the Holy Spirit interprets the Bible. He gives meaning, and he says it's of no private interpretation. That means, well, I have the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit. And uh, here's what I, it, uh, I got to be honest with you, pet peeve. When two Holy Spirit-filled people have differences of opinion and want to argue about it. Y'all with me? Why? It's because one of you is wrong. At least one of you is wrong. Why? Because it's of no private interpretation. Come on. There's only one way to understand this book, and the one who wrote it is the one who will tell you what it means. Okay? And so, if you will, he says that which is letting will let until he be taken out of the way. Well, how is he talking? Folks, he's talking about being taken out of the way in the hearts of believers. All right, we talked about this last week, about the rapture, okay? And so, if you will, there's going to come a day where I, I think this is what God's going to say. I don't know what language he's going to say it in, probably in Old English. <laughs> At least Bo got it. <laughs> I, I think he's going to say, come hither. Come here. I don't know enough languages to go beyond English in Old English and New English. I could do Anglish. Come here, y'all. Y'all with me? I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light. <laughs> don't mean to make light. Okay. But that's what he's going to say. And then we're going to go. And then any lie they want to tell, there's not going to be any restraint. And what's the biggest lie that they're going to want to tell? The biggest lie is he's not God. He is. And they're going to be pointing to a man that we call the Antichrist, the against God person. That's what Antichrist means, okay? And so, if you will, the false Messiah, the false Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Israel looking for a Messiah? Is Islam looking for a Messiah? Let me ask you this. Is Christianity looking for a Messiah? Is Christianity looking for a Messiah? Pardon me? For his return? I'm not trying to pick. I'm trying to dot my I's and cross my T's. I'm not looking for him to return. I'm not looking for him to return. I'm looking for the rapture. Rapture happens here. The return happens here. And there's seven years of tribulation in between. Amen? 
I'm not looking for a second coming. I'm looking for his calling me out and saying, come hither. Okay? The only problem is, is so Christians really aren't looking for a Messiah. We found him. We call him Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. That's what Jesus Christ means. Christ means the Messiah. You all with me? And so, if you will, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this as much as I can to take some very difficult things and show you it's relatively easy to understand if you just read it and let it say what it says, you know? And so he's saying this, he's saying, he's saying they're going to keep all that corruption down until the one keeping all that corruption down is taken out of the way. By the way, is there a lot of corruptions in Christianity? So have you ever heard people say, well, you shouldn't really talk about the church down the street. There's, there's some truth to that. Okay, if that's all you got, is that the only game you got, you're in trouble. But if the church down the street says you can only be saved in their church, problem. And by the way, if I, what if I was talking about a Baptist church when I said that? I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just trying to tell you some history, but we had a church in this town said that. True? There's only four churches in, this, in the United States where you can get saved. That's nonsense. Amen? That's nonsense. But let me also say this, if somebody says, well, you got to get baptized and catechized and marriageized, and that's Catholic church. By the way, is that the way you get saved? So should we have courage to speak against that? By the way, don't get ugly about it. Don't get mean about it. You were in ignorance and lost at one time too. But weren't you glad for somebody who patiently and kindly showed you the truth and the right way? Okay, here's the whole point. God's people still have God's word and God's truth. This was shared with me this week, too. Do you guys ever apologize for the kind of church we have? I will tell you this. Our, our type of church is under fire today because of a misunderstanding about dress standards, misunderstanding about the music that we... Okay? And uh, I had somebody this week say that they were witnessing to somebody saying this, boy, I just wish I could find a church that's still sang from the hymn book. Can I tell you this? What some people criticize, other people are looking for. We ought not be ashamed of who we are. We ought to take and boldly embrace what we believe in. Is it important to use a hymn book? Listen, you can fight about hymn books, but there's a reason why we use a hymn book. Why? It's because we don't want to be singing songs that build our emotion. We want to be singing songs that, if you will, feed the intellect, and we think about the God who we're praising, and, and they're Bible-based, they're Scripture-based. Amen. Okay? And, and so, if you will, uh, God is saying, we're going to hold on to these truths, amen, until we be taken out of the way. And then this thing's going to go bad. By the way, you know the churches, there's a lot of churches gone bad. You know why? All the believers left. Amen. Okay? And, uh, and, and so when that happens to the world, then the Antichrist can come in and he can say this. He says, he goes, look at this mess. Isn't it a mess? But I tell you what I'll do. 
if you'll put my name on your hand. See, 666 is the number of a man. It's the number of his name. Amen. And if you'll take and put 666 on there, I'll make sure you get fed. I was thinking about this on the way here. Remember how I, I just preached this the last week about how that uh, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You remember what they wanted to do to him? They wanted to turn him into a king. If you can give us bread... Come on. Folks, there's no accidents in your Bible. And so all the oppressed, and uh, how many of you all think that maybe Israel is just a little bit tired of suffering for their DNA? Amen. And you finally get somebody that says, ah, listen, I am so tired of these people mistreating you. I'll treat you nice. And all you got to do is put my name on your hand and, or your forehead Okay? And uh, I will make sure you're fed. I'll make sure. And, and, and well, sign me up. 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 Except we would be going, are you insane? There's not going to be anybody like that. Just very few. The 144,000, whoever they can impact. Amen. And then once he gets everybody signed up, he's going to say, do what I say or else. Or else what? Or else the little number on the back of your hand won't get you any more bread. Well, what do you want us to do? I want you to acknowledge me as God. Is that what that verse says? <laughs> I want you to acknowledge me as God. Sitting as God in the place of God. You will acknowledge me as God. And their thinking is, hey, you can provide bread. You're God. Is that apostasy coming down from there's only one true God? Down to where you could look at a human being, a normal human being. Jesus is a human being, but Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Okay? And you could look at a normal human being and say, well, if he can keep us safe and he can give us bread, where do you want me to, where do you want me to worship? Amen. Uh, the only problem is, as soon as they're willing to do that, by the way, some of the Jews, those 144,000, they're going to say, remember, they get saved. Remember that? And they're going to go, guys, you might want to read the book again. Guys, guys, by the way, they're not going to be able to have much influence. Why? Because they're going to be running for their lives. Why? Because the guy who said, worship me as God or else, he says, anybody who doesn't worship me for, as God is either going to starve to death or I'm going to kill them. Truth? Okay, so God has to send a thing that he calls the day of Jacob's trouble. You realize that those seven years are divided up into seven years, and the first three and a half are called the tribulation. Anybody know what the last three and a half are called? The great tribulation. And by the way, the very end is called the day of the Lord. Would you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, please? Go to Jeremiah chapter 30 is where we're going. In Jeremiah chapter 30, God describes this to the nation of Israel. And in uh, verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, the word of the Lord 
that came to Jeremiah, excuse me, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. Okay. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Help me now. Have we seen that happen? Yeah. I'm not, listen, I, I'm not, don't get too caught up in the details. Have we seen that happen? Israel is a nation in 1948. They're back in the land. Did God promise that that would happen? Has it happened? If he fulfilled that part, you know what he's going to do? He's going to fulfill the rest of it. Okay, why is that important? Keep reading. Verse 4, the Bible says, And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. And by the way, just so you understand, in the book of Ezekiel said that uh, Israel and Judah would all be one one day. Okay, so he's talking about Israel, if you will. Verse 5, For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child, Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all the faces are turned into paleness. Folks, do you see what he's trying to describe there? He's talking about a man in distress. I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm trying to get you to see what he's trying to communicate. If a woman has a child and she's in travail, God said that's the way it was going to be from the Garden of Eden. I'm not trying to be clever here. If you saw a man going through the same thing, he'd be pale of face. <laughs> Why? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't supposed to be happening. This is unnatural. Come on now, amen? And he's talking about, if you will, the distress on men's hearts as they take and they look and they go, wait a minute, that's not supposed to be happening. There, he's, he, he's not the Christ. He's, he's the Antichrist. He, he's not our Messiah. He's the Anti-Messiah. Amen? And, and if you will, uh, by the way, they're all going to be looking for him. The Muslims and Israel. Okay? The Bible says, keep going. He said, verse 7, he says, For alas, that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's, what's the Bible say? And that's another name for the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. What is the purpose for time of Jacob's trouble? You're all looking at me, but keep reading. What is the purpose for the tribulation, folks? So that Israel might be saved. Okay? Remember when God said he's not willing that any should perish? Meaning what? Meaning he'll put you through tribulation just to get you saved. How many of y'all got saved on top of the mountain? <laughs> How many of y'all got saved in the valley? Yeah. That's where you get saved. Why? Because God takes and he puts you through so that there's only one place, and that is to look up. And you might think, well, that's, that's, that's not right. Well, it is right. Why? Because man's a stubborn lot. And we won't come to him any other way until, in some ways, sadly, people look at him as a last resort. We know after salvation we should have never done that. Amen. We should have made him a first resort. The Bible says in verse 8, says, For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers no more shall serve themselves of him. He's talking about Israel there. Okay? He's saying, I'm going to make you free. Is Israel free today? 
Is Israel free today? Are they? I'm not trying to be clever. Is Israel truly free today? How many of y'all think they wanted to stop fighting Hamas last week? Huh? I don't think they did. They got an army man here. How long are you supposed to fight? Till the enemy's dead. Y'all understand? Have they, is the enemy dead? No. The en- matter, matter of fact, the enemy took all those wonderful supplies for those poor Palestinian people and they restocked their shelves. Hamas did. They didn't feed those people. Come on. You think Israel wanted to have that happen? No, they still answer to the UN. They still answer to America. They still answer to their allies. And he's saying this. He says, someday I'm going to break that yoke. I'm going to take and I'm going to take that off of you. You're not going to have to take and to do what the world says anymore. Why? Well, ultimately, it doesn't say it here. They're going to be the head of all nations. Amen. And they're going to have the king of kings and lord of lords as their king. Amen. Keep reading. This is a wonderful chapter here. Uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, verse 8, this is where it comes. The Bible says, verse, come to pass that day, I'll break the, the yoke off the neck, burst thy bonds. Uh, verse 9, he says, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king. Amen. Uh, interesting thought. I don't know. I brought this up a couple weeks ago, but I didn't give you a verse. Look at the next clause there. Whom I will raise up unto thee. And I don't know if that means Jesus or David himself. I haven't said that. I believe it means Jesus. Okay, I believe it means Jesus. All right. But he's saying, I'm going to raise David up. Okay, uh, by the way, another reason to believe in the resurrection. Amen. Okay. Therefore, fear, not, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel. For lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. Does Israel have to be afraid today? Folks, Israel has to be afraid every day. <laughs> okay, why? Well, I'll tell you when they won't have to be afraid, when Jesus is sitting on that throne. Amen. But up until now, they're still afraid. Why? Because they've not received their Messiah. If they would just receive their Messiah, he'd come and destroy all their enemies. Amen. Okay, keep reading. The Bible says, verse 11, For I am, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. He said, I'm going to, and he goes on after this, he said, I'm going to, you remember Persia? Go take care of them. By the way, that's Iran. I don't know about you, but if Iran read the Bible, they might want to pay attention. (laughs) I'm going to use you to discipline my children, but I'm going to eliminate you. Okay, I'll rub your name out from history, amen. He says, but I will correct thee in measure. He said, I'm going to use them to punish you. I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Listen, I'm going to use them to chasten you, but they they better realize I'm going to eliminate them, going to destroy them. For thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is incurable and thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten thee. And I, I, I got to be honest with you, I think Israel, as a people, are opportunists that have manipulated, and as long as they're getting what they want, they don't want God, okay? 
And what he's saying is there, I'm going to take it all away so that you got nothing left but me. I'm going to take, by the way, is that hate or is that love? I give you an illustration. You guys familiar with the book of Hosea? And Hosea the prophet was commanded to go and marry a harlot named Gomer. As soon as they were married, she went out, she played the harlot and had children with other men. He named those children, not my son or not my people. You guys understand that? And uh, so he knew what had happened. He knew what went on. And uh, God advised him in, in chapter 2, and if you ever need this in your family, maybe it's usually with somebody you love or care about deeply. In chapter 2, God counsels Hosea to pray a hedge of thorns around Gomer. You guys know what thorns are? All you deer hunters know what thorns are? Around here we call it wild rose, right? By the way, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I am not the world's greatest hunter, and every once in a while I'll just be trudging along, and you have to walk through that wild rose. I don't know, that would make you want to give up hunting. <laughs> but folks, have you guys ever seen the crown of thorns that I've made? They're in my office if you haven't seen them. Folks, those are made out of thorns from the locust trees. You guys ever seen the locust tree thorns? Okay. Well, take this the right way. But the thorns he's talking about have even longer nettles. And, you know, you might think if the nettles are rounded off, it's no big deal. You guys ever been poked by a... They burn, they sting, especially when they're, you know... You guys understand... And he, he's saying this, he said, I want you to pray that I'll put a surrounding around them that whenever they do something wrong, they get poked. What's it make you want to do? It makes you want the nettles to go away. See, there was a guy named, a, a guy named uh, Wicked King Manasseh. The Bible says he was taken among the thorns. Amen until he finally repented and he basically said, God, I was wrong, you're right, forgive me. Amen? What did it take? It take putting him among the thorns. I say this lovingly, but any of you got somebody you love enough that you would pray that God would put a hedge of thorns around their life to make them so miserable that they would finally look up and say, God, I forgive me. Because that's what he's done to the nation of Israel. I'm going to make you so miserable that you finally look up. You say, that's, that's an act of hate. No, that's an act from a loving husband that wants his wife back. Yeah. Amen? In a sense... He wants his relationship back. He wants his significant other back. He wants the one that he loves back. And he said, I'm going to make you so miserable. Well, what about all the people who refuse to repent? They get caught up on the barbs and all the terrible things. And if you'll keep reading to the end of this verse, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. But he talks about how he put so much on them, it was beyond your ability to hear what happened to them. Folks, any of y'all read anything about World War II and what happened to the Jews? 
and you see all the terrible, awful, gut-wrenching things that happened to them. And yet, folks, they didn't repent and turn to God as a Savior. If that didn't get their attention, can you imagine the hedge of thorns that's coming next time? Amen? Also what? So that he can bring his people home and let them live in the promised land and have all the blessings that God's promised. The Bible says, uh, verse 14, their lovers had increased. He was going to take their, their lovers away. Again, a, a perfect metaphor for uh, Hosea. Verse uh, 15, why criest thou in thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. I have done these things unto thee. Y'all see it? Amen. Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity, and they, sh they that spoil thee shall be spoiled, and all that prey upon thee will I give for a prey. How many of y'all would like to be a Gazan and read that verse? How many of y'all would like to be an Iranian right now and read that verse? God's saying, I used you to discipline my children, but I'm never going to forget what you did to them. I'm never going to forget what you did to them. And then he's talking to Israel again in verse 17. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Being basically this, you're not God's people anymore. That's why we're going to try to drive you into the sea. By the way, it talks about that later in that verse. Now, I'm out of time, but... I would encourage you to look at these two chapters I've given you, 2 Thessalonians 2 and then Jeremiah chapter 30, and just meditate on those things about what God is going to be doing someday. Uh, I will tell you this, all this that's going on, one of the reasons that the Muslims are so radicalized right now is they're trying, especially the, uh, you guys know there's the Sunni and the Shia, or the Shiites, Okay. Well, the Shiites are working real hard to try to bring in the Mahdi or the, uh, their form of the Antichrist. Okay, matter of fact, five, ten years ago, they were working real hard when they had a different, different leader. But my whole point is they're, they're wanting to bring in what we would call the Antichrist. They're trying to bring in their Messiah. And by the way, the Jews are going to look at that same person and say, hey, if they'll give us peace. And it's only because their minds get to the point where they stop reading and believing the Bible and they totally fall away from the faith that there is one true God and they have the ability to know him. Folks, we can still make a difference. We're still salt and light in this world. This book can be understood. And folks, when you watch the news, read those passages of scripture and look up for our redemption draweth nigh. What should we be doing knowing that we are at the end of days? Y'all believe that? And Jesus Christ could come, so what should we be doing? Amen? Look busy. <laughs> Don't look busy. Be busy about the Lord's work. Amen? Would to God that we would take and embrace that. Let's all stand, if you would. Number 318. 318. Maybe you got somebody you want to witness to this week. Just want to lift their name before God. Whatever the Lord would have you to do. Number 318.